Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. This son goes to his father and basically says, you're dead to me. Give me my portion of my inheritance. So he goes and scriptures tells us that he goes and he wastes his inheritance and in wild living. And then a famine hit the land and he ends up being a pig herder, working with pigs. And scripture says that when he finally came to his senses, he goes back to his father. And we pick up here, Luke chapter 15, verse 20. So he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off. Everybody, how many of y'all remember that when you were a long way off? When he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. He was filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He went seeking mercy. Come on, but five is the number of grace. And that's the way the father received him. Verse 21, then the father uh, said to his son, then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And if you guys remember before that, he said, and he was also going to say, hire me as a, as a servant in your house. And the, before he gets to that part, the father interrupts him and says, quick, bring the finest robe, that robe of righteousness, the best robe in the house, the father's robe. We'll clothe him with the righteousness of Christ and the righteousness of God in Christ. And then he says, put a ring on his finger. And that's what we talked about last week, right? Our identity our, our authority as sons and daughters in the kingdom, and get sandals for his feet. Everybody say sandals. That's what we're going to talk about today. And then verse 23, and kill the fattened calf, the calf that we've been fattening, for we must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, and now he is found. So let the party Begin. And that's what happens when we come into the kingdom. A party is thrown for us. And so one of the things, the gifts that the father gives the son is sandals for his feet. Now, the son, if he had sandals, which we think he probably didn't have sandals for a couple of reasons. One is probably because he didn't have money for sandals. Another thing is that you've got to understand something of ancient times and still today is that people didn't often wear shoes in the house. In fact, the only person that it was proper to wear shoes in the house, the only people that it was proper for them to wear shoes in the house, were, was, was the family of the house, the father and the kids. And so when the son was coming home, I believe he was shoeless, saying, listen, I don't plan on coming inside. I plan on staying out back. Because servants weren't all, also, even though they were allowed in the house at times, they were not allowed to wear shoes in the house. So we know that when the son comes back, the father is not, by giving him a pair of shoes, isn't just saying, hey, you need some new shoes. He was saying, listen, I'm not going to accept you back as a slave. I will only accept you back as a son. And so when the son comes in, he gives him the shoes, the authority to dwell in the house. Not a servant, not a slave, but a son. And possibly the son was saying, listen, making his plans be known, I'm not wearing. And the father was, I'm not going to wear shoes. I'm not coming in the house. I'm going to stay out back. So the father was saying, you're no longer a servant in the house. You are no visitor in our home because visitors couldn't wear shoes in the house. You're no visitor. You're no servant. You're a son. This is where you belong. And all I have is yours. So let's party. Now, understand something, and we've hit on this a little bit in in the series, is that sons and slaves both belong to the house. 
Okay, the slaves were owned by the, by the master of the house, so they were, they were part of the house. However, only sons could dwell in the house. Only sons could live there. And many times, I think when we come into the kingdom of God, we don't live in the house. Come on, we don't live on what all God's provided for us. In fact, we, most of the time, we're content to live out back. And understand something is that slaves in those days, it was different than what we, we think about slavery uh, nowadays, but uh, slaves in those days, they didn't really have it that bad. Um, this, we, we know from the story that this was a good man, um, so he wasn't abusive to his slaves, but many times slaves were what were called bond servants. And bond servants was someone that were, was basically paying off a debt, maybe a debt that they inherited or a debt that they accumulated, and then they come, whenever they go to work for someone, they basically live there on the property, and they take care of things like a servant would take care of. And their life actually wasn't that bad, but they were still somebody else's property. And that's no good. So, so many times, we, I think in the kingdom, we, we view ourselves as God's property, but we don't really belong to the family. Come on, we've just, we, we're kind of living out back. We might go inside every once in a while, we, but nothing really belongs to us. It just belongs within our reach when it may be, if I need it, the Father will be good enough to give it to us. But God is shifting our mindset. Now, because the story allows itself to deal with slavery, let me, let me hit on this. Because many, many people today in, in the modern age, will, they'll, they'll try to manipulate the Scriptures and say, well, you know, the scripture, the scripture enforces slavery. Let me tell you, that is not true. The Scripture does not prescribe slavery. In fact, Scripture does describe slavery, and many things in the Scripture are described because it was written in a culture that's different. And many times it's easy for us to read our modern sensibilities into ancient circumstances. Is that right? So we know slavery. We've, we've, we have an experience in our nation of, of, of very poorly done slavery where, where slaves are mistreated. Um, slavery is a bad idea. And God agrees with that. In fact, Jesus came when he took out that scroll and read Isaiah in Luke chapter 4. He read that scroll and he said, I came to set free the captives and the prisoners. So God's about freedom. He's not about slavery. However, Scripture was written to a people where slavery was part of their culture culture. Not similar to the slavery that, that we know of. Uh, sometimes it was like that. Sometimes it was far worse. But in most cases, it was done in a, in a little bit more of a, can we say, like a diplomatic fashion. So obviously the, the abuse and all that stuff was totally out there. However, it was something that usually in those times, it was something that someone uh, basically signed up for. Does that make sense? It wasn't something they were forced into. But once they signed up, they were locked in. Does that make sense? So they agreed on the front end. That forced them to agreement on the back end. And so um, the word is doulos. Uh, that's the word that we get in, in the Greek. So when Scripture talks about slavery, it can be a drastic sense of, of what we've experienced in our, in our modern sensibilities. But also it can mean a, a lighter sense of someone that's a bondservant, that's basically someone that's working in the house. And it's almost like they're part of the family. Does that make sense? But everything that belongs in the house doesn't belong to them. They're part of the belongings. And I think a lot of times as believers, we see ourselves that way. We don't really belong to the family. We don't really dwell in the house. We just belong to the house. And I think God wants to break uh, those mindsets. And so obviously we know, we know uh, 
you know, history of slavery. Today, slavery still exists. Sex trade has just changed, right? So the, the way that slavery works has just changed, especially in a, in a culture uh, like America and things like that. The, the, the slavery very much exists in America. It just, it, it's different. It's more hidden, right? It's, it, it's beneath the curtain. But there are also milder, more sociological forms of slavery, Right? We think of slavery, we think of a person owning another person. But how many of you know that there are other forms of slavery like addiction? Addiction's a form of slavery, right? Debt is a form of slavery. You say, well, I hate slavery. Well, how much debt do you have? Because if you have debt, you're enslaved to somebody because some of your paycheck, whether you like it or not, is going to go to them every, every month. They own your bank, part of your bank account. Come on. That's why Scripture tells us that, that, that the, the servant, or I'm sorry, the, 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 the lender, what is it? The borrower is subject to, to the lender. And so by having debt, we have to pay all this money every single month. So if God called us to go to Haiti and to, and to live there as a missionary, we couldn't do it because we have thousands of dollars in student loans and credit card debts, all, this, all this, these meals that we've charged on credit cards and all this kind of stuff. And so we, have, we can't do what God's called us to do. How many know that that's called slavery? That's called bondage. And so there's things like that. There's uh, sin. People are, are addicted. There's addictions, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, whether it's a, whether it's an addiction that harms society or it's an addiction that just harms you, it's still bondage. Um, fear, fear is, is, is a, is a, um, is a form of slavery. The devil will use fear, man. The devil uses fear all the time to control and to manipulate people. And then another one is performance. And we're going to dig into these a little bit more, but sometimes we perform, right? We're performing. I've got to, I've got to do, 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 and I got to do all these things. So, so God will like me. So people will like me. And, and so these are, these are sociological forms of slavery, things that we're in bondage to that we don't even realize. We say that we're free, but really we're not living life. Life is living us. And so God wants to bring us to a place of freedom. Jesus is about freedom. John chapter 8, to the Jews, everybody say Jews. Now understand the Jews had a list that they were keeping, right? They had a law that they, that they, that they prided themselves in. It was kind of like the treasure of the Jews. So to the Jews who had believed him, so they, they believed, yeah, Jesus, we believe you. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching. Not if you just believe, but if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, it's easy to quote that verse without the verse previous. We say, well, you just know the truth, it'll make you free. Well, you've got to be his disciple first, right? You've got to hold to the teaching first. And then you know the truth, then you experience the truth, and the truth is liberating. For people that don't know him, that aren't following him, they look at his rules as bondage. Listen. But if you're really his disciples and you hold his teaching, then you'll see the things that the Lord requires you is freedom. Come on. Verse 33, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. Everybody say descendants. We are Abraham's descendants, and we've never been slaves to anyone. (laughs) They forgot about Egypt. How can you say that we shall be free, set free? And Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Uh Uh-oh. And they're like, oh, okay. Now a slave, here we go. A slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Isn't that good news? So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Come on. I'm bringing you out of the 
the, the, the outhouse to the White House. Come on. I'm, I'm setting you free for real freedom. You will be free indeed. Come on. Not just, not you'll be free and well-disciplined. Right? Because sometimes we look at freedom as, well, I'm just self-disciplined. I'm, I'm so strong to say no. No, freedom where God even robs the desire to sin. Come on. I know you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in my father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham's our father. They answered. (laughs) They answered. (laughs) Abraham is our father. If you were Abraham's children, then you would do the things that Abraham did. Uh, uh, um, um. As it is, verse 40. You are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth. And I heard from God, Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. And then Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am now here. I have come on my own. I have not come on my own, but he has sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I am saying. You belong to your father, the devil. Oh, shady Jesus. They didn't teach that in Sunday school. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. Jump on over to verse 47. He who belongs to God... Here's what God says. Are you tracking me? Listen. He who belongs to God hears what God says. Do you belong to God? You can hear what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. I want to talk this morning about three bondages. Three bondages. Paul, Paul talks about this way, the sin that so easily beseeches you, Right? The first bondage is this, sin, right? How many of you have ever been in bondage to sin? How many of y'all are currently? I know y'all won't raise your hand. (laughs) Listen, Jesus says this, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Have you ever been a slave to sin? Have you ever felt like, "I, I, 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 I can't say no to it? Listen, anything that you can't say no to is bondage. Anything, anything you can't say no to is bondage. When we think about sin, we think about the obvious things, right? We think about violence. We think about hate. We think about sexual sin. Come on, we think about rape. We think about murder. We think about the the deepest, darkest sins. But there are also things like greed and lust, and addiction. Come on, these are all sin. We think about destructive behavior, speech, but let me tell you, there are also milder forms of sin that can be addictive. Things like unforgiveness, things like bitterness. Well, that's hurt. That might be where it's coming from, but you're the one that chooses to be bitter. Gossip, What do you mean by gossip? Gossip is talking about somebody in a negative light when you're not talking to them. Anybody. Doesn't matter if it's a celebrity, somebody you know, somebody you don't know. Talking about anybody 
negatively when they're not there. It's an addiction. Because we, we feel better about ourselves by tearing other people down. Even if they're bad. Even if, even if what you're saying is accurate, it's still gossip. Slander. Sin. Tearing people down with your words. It's sinful. It is sinful. Well, it's truth. Are you telling it to them? Because the truth will set them free. But you're not, you're not, you're not doing anything to set them free. You're not being like Jesus. Sin. But we all sin, right? We blow it. Your sin's different than my sin. Now, I will say this, that all sin isn't equal, right? If you thought, if you believe that, then you wouldn't gossip because you would think that gossip is as bad as child molestation, and it's not. Let's just be real. It's not near as damaging. It will still separate you from God, right? It'll, it'll still bear punishment in your way, but we know that, that sin has different weight. So don't, don't go quoting some verse that you don't know anything about. So I know, I know it sounds real spiritual. All sin's the same. No, <laughs> no it's not. No, it's not. Um, yeah, it's not. Listen, anything, let me just say this again, anything that you can't say no to is bondage. And eventually your sin will catch up to you. Right? Eventually it will. And let me say this, sin is a cruel master. The wages of sin is death. You know, I, uh, I kind of lived a wild life uh, when I was young, in my teen years. And, you know, I'm friends with people that, you know, still today, not close friends, but people that I've seen, you know, 20 years later. And it's crazy because I chose to stop pursuing a life of sin. It doesn't mean that all my sin emptied, but my sin was dealt with. Come on, and I accepted that when I was 18, when I came to Jesus. And so I've lived a different life. I've pursued a different life. But I've met other people that I knew when I, were eight, when I was 18, and they just kept on going with their sin. And I, I look, you can look at pictures. There, there, I have pictures on my phone of, of, of a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine that I grew up with, and you would think the guy was 20 years older than me. Why? Because sin has a weight, man. And I can tell you this also, people, and you say, well, that's because he's been in drugs and all this stuff. I can tell you people that, are, that harbor unforgiveness and bitterness, just look at them in 10 years and watch like how it wears on their face and the hardness of their heart. And listen, it, it will eventually impact you. You've got to learn to embrace the love of God and let things go. You've got to. Um, sin is a cruel master. It robs you of the quality of life that Jesus paid for, and the wages of sin is death. Okay, it will. So what does that mean I'm not going to heaven? It doesn't mean that you're not going to heaven. If you're, if you're before God and, you've, and you're, you're, you're pursuing Jesus, you're, you're following Jesus, you're in the house, you're in the house. Come on, let's just be real. But sin will still have an effect on you if you are not pursuing righteousness. As Scripture tells us to do that. We are righteous, but we're also pursuing holiness. Are you with me? Uh, John chapter 8 Brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature. Remember, you died to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. In other words, if you put to death sin, you will live, the sinful nature. Verse 14, because those who are led, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
Walking in your identity. Walking by the Spirit of God. For you do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. You see that? See that fear right there? You do not receive a spirit that brings you into fear, but you have received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Let me break this down for you real quick. Many times, this happened to me when I, when I came into the kingdom, there, were, there was this kind of mindset that's like, all right, you came to Jesus, now you better straighten up. You better get all your ducks in a row. And, and that's a good thing. It's, it, you, got, you, need to live, you need to live, pursue holiness. You, you absolutely need to. But it was done by this kind of manipulating thing that said, if you don't do right, God's going to get you. That wasn't the word that was used, but that's what was insinuated. And so it was like, if you mess up, then, then God's going to judge you with, with sickness. And so when somebody got sick, they would go, you got sin in your life? They thought that God, think about how stupid this is. If, if Judah came home from school and he was failing in a class and I said, that's not good, son. And I had the power to give him sickness and I go, that's not good, son. Chicken pox for you. That sounds stupid. But we do that with God all the time. It doesn't mean that I won't discipline him. It doesn't mean that I won't speak into his life. But I'm not going to do something to him that will harm him. I'm, we, we call, in the kingdom, we call discipline correction. I'm correcting his behavior. I'm bringing him into alignment with the way that he's designed to be. And so what we did is, 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 is with this message where it's so off is what we did is we enslaved people into fear thinking, oh, I've got to obey or God's going to get me, right? Or Santa Claus isn't going to visit me. God's not going to bless me. And so we used fear to control people's behavior. But fear is sin and fear is an enslavement. And so what we've done is we, 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 we said, oh, no, you're still a slave. We just put different vernacular on it. We've just called it something else. So you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by that we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So listen, if you, if you screw up this week, which you probably will, right? You'll probably sin this week. I mean, it might not be like a huge deal, but you might do, you know, something stupid and disobey the Lord and he tells you to, Go left, you went right, or, you know, and, and we don't want to get real weird, but, but you, you will probably screw up this week. He, he doesn't look at you, he doesn't speak to you and go, well, you're not really my son. That's stupid. That's, that's how the devil talks. That's an accusing voice, right? You're not a son. If you were a son of God, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't, you would have been nice to that woman. You wouldn't have flipped that person. If you were a son of God, you wouldn't have flipped that person off in traffic. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does this. Hey, what? that's not who you are. What, what are you thinking? Stop that. Put that down. That's how the Holy Spirit corrects it. He's not like, you're not a child. Listen, if you were hearing that, why y'all laughing? Some of y'all, some of y'all got straight up corrected by the Holy Spirit this week. You're like, oh, Beth. Yeah, okay. So the Holy Spirit testifies that we're God's children. He doesn't come to us and say, well, you're not my child. You're not my child. It's not based in your performance. It's, it's based in your acceptance 
of him, of who he says he is. Okay. Verse 17, now if we are children, then we're heirs. Come on, good news. We talked about that last week. Then heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Whoa. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. It's hard. That's all right. You're going to share in his glory also. So sin. Sin is a bondage. The second one that we've hit on a little bit is fear. Did you know there are over five over 530 medically documented types of phobias? From, from spiders to peanut butter sticking on the roof of your mouth. That's weird. But, beloved, let me tell you this. Fear, and when I talk about fear, I'm not talking about fright. Okay, there's a difference. We, we, we play with fright all the time at our house. Now, if, you, now if fright is controlling you, like you're afraid to go to sleep because there's monsters in your closet, then, then we, maybe you have a, a, a real fear issue, not a fright issue. Some of you have monsters in your closet that keep you up at night, but it's, it's more of a mental monster. It's a monster in this closet, not a monster in that closet, right? Come on. And so we have fear, and then we have fright. But listen, fear is a learned behavior. Did you know you learn to fear? My kids have no fear. It's crazy. They just come up here and just walk off the stage. Why? Because they haven't learned to fear yet. Fear is learned. It's learned behavior. We learn to worry. You weren't born going, oh, how am I going to eat? You just were like, I need to eat. And someone fed you. You didn't worry about how it was going to happen. You're like, mom. Right? Fear is learned. <laughs> Come out. All right. Listen, worry, insecurity, anxiety, fear of man. Oh, well, if I do that, nobody's going to like me. You've got abandonment issues. Uh, Trust me, I know from experience. Fear of failure. Well, it's better not, I better not, I might not be good at that. So I, uh, 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 uh. you don't ever do anything. You just sit at the house. Oh, you're successful at that. I'm pretty successful watching TV, Right? Posting on Facebook, I'm pretty successful. I got like 400 friends and 60 likes on my last post. Listen, we're talking about doing something significant. Uh, Some of y'all have FOMO, the fear of missing out, right? Fear of rejection, fear of abandonment. Listen, these, these, these things that control us. Listen, beloved, fear is sin, Now, it's not a sin of commission, a sin that we commit. It's, it's a fear of trust. It's, it's, a, it's a lack of trust. It's a failure. Fear is a failure to trust. So it's a, it's a fear of omission. I failed to trust God. That's what fear is. I failed to get my identity from God, so I'm trying to get it from people. I'm trying to get the affirmation from people. I'm trying to get enough people to like me and generate enough uh, substance to deal with my insecurity. So fears fail your trust. Let me tell you some things that won't help your fears. Hardness. Hardness of heart won't, won't help your fear. Being hard-hearted. Well, I've been jaded. If you've been as much through as I've been through, you've been through and stuff, right? 
No, dude, listen, you got a hard heart. Listen, the problem of being hard-hearted is, is sometimes if we're hard-hearted towards people, we just, we just learn to be hard-hearted, and it can call us to have, cause us to have a dull ear towards God. Some of you can't hear it from the Lord because you just developed a hard heart towards anything. You can't receive anything. If it's not your idea, it's not a good idea because you're hard-hearted. And you did it because at some point, it started off as fear. A fear that I will get hurt again. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to, it's like Uriah come in here today. Now, God, I believe God deals differently with our fear, the fear of sin, different than he does the fear of uh, lust, right? Because one, he's going, stop that. That's not who you are. The other one, he comes along and goes, let me help you, son. It's like this morning, Uriah uh, went out uh, here to get him in kid flow or get him in his kid flow area where he's supposed to be. And I went in there and he's like, there. You didn't say that, but that's what he was saying. And so I was like, well, you want to go with me to church? And he's like, yeah. And he just grabbed my hand and he held my hand the whole time during worship. He just hold my hand. He's held my hand. Well, there's, there's some insecurity. There's a little bit of fear of him being in here. He's not normally in here. So what is he doing? I'm standing right there. I was kind of frustrated because I want to like get my worship on. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like half but when I was there, I was like, that's exactly the way the Father deals with us. Like, whenever we're fear, he, he's willing to hold our hand and walk us through that to get us through it. But he doesn't want to leave us in that fearful state. Come on. That's free. I wasn't in the notes. Number two, the, the, another thing that won't help your fear is masquerading your fear is faith. So a lot of times when people pray, they pray like this. Oh, please, God. Please, God, we need you. That's, a, that's not a faith-filled prayer. How many know that when you don't pray, the, the, the prayer of faith is the prayer, is the prayer that brings changes? And so if you're just, if the only time you ever pray when you're afraid, you're going to have more things to pray about. Or we quote Scripture, right? We start quoting Scripture out of fear. And thinking that there's some kind of thought. Or we quote the name of Jesus. And we wonder why demons are stomping us. So because you have no faith. Because you've got fear that God's not good enough to take care of you. A worry. Worrying won't, won't help your fear. Well, or maybe it will because 90% of the things that you worry about don't ever happen. <laughs> so maybe it is worse. Um, whining. Whining doesn't help your fear. See, really, whining is just trying to get attention and the comfort from people. That's what it is. Please, please, please alleviate my fear. But people can't really deal with your fear because fear is a hard issue. Um, it will give you attention, but it won't get you the kind of attention that you want. Whining and complaining. You guys know, right? They're the people that you hide on Facebook. Because all they ever do is complain, right? Because complaining is draining. Or, you, or, or like, they're people they want to do life. Listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not just being mean. I'm, just, I'm trying to help you if you're like this, okay? You wonder why people don't want to be around you. Well, all, if all you ever do is, like, want to whine and complain, and you just want to talk about how bad society is, people don't want to be around that. I mean, it's in our face all the time. People want to be around life givers, complainers, or drainers. So if I get around you and all you ever do is complain, I'm not going to be around you that much, well, can't you? Yes, I'll give you some a little bit sometimes, but if I'm around you all the time, you're going you're gonna to suck me dry. I got a lot of encouragement in me, but, I, but I'm not going gonna, gonna to let you suck all the encouragement because somebody else needs some of it. So stop sucking encouragement. <laughs> encouragement. Stop sucking encouragement from everybody. Is that okay, baby? No? Sorry.
Y'all are fun today. All right, verse number five, not verse, but number five is by being independent. Reel it in, baby. Reel it in. Okay. Being independent. Well, I'll just do it. I'll take care of it. This is a struggle for me. Well, I'll just take care of it. I'm afraid things won't get done if I don't do it, right? Anybody else like that? That's the way I am, dude. I'm, well, yeah, you, you, you have that word for it. Um, but that's not my identity. So I have this thing like things got to be done. So I got to be on top of things. So I, I'll just take care of it, right? So I'll become independent. That don't deal with your dysfunction. They don't deal with your fear that it's not going to happen, right? All right. So fear. Sin is bondage. Fear is bondage. Fear is bondage. Anything, listen, anything that will keep you from what you're supposed to do or who you're supposed to be. Fear is a failure of trust. Number three, performance. Performance is a bondage. We used to a skit we used to do in student ministry. See me, notice me. Won't you want to get to know me? There was a skit we did. There was like this person and they did this. And I feel like sometimes we feel like that we're doing that for God. Like, if I do this, then I'll get God's attention. If I do this, God will like me. If I do this, I'll have the favor of the Lord. If I do this, I'll attract blessing. If I do this, people will like me. If I do this, my boss will like me. If I do this, my pastor will like me. I'll do this, my leader will like me. My wife will like me. My kids will like me. If I do, do, do. So all you got is do-do's, right? Listen, if the enemy can't get us enslaved to sin, he will enslave us to performance. Performance is driven by earning something versus loving someone. So I mean, I gotta earn God's blessing. I gotta earn God's. I need to earn, 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 earn something, earn something. Earn. Listen, how about loving someone, and then everything that you do comes out of a love-filled heart. You'll be better at everything that you do. You'll be so much better, and you'll be more fun to be around. It's kind of like we view God as this big circus called the kingdom of God, and he's like, he's got all these people that he's enslaved, right? And they're all just in here working for God, doing our little thing. He's going to pay my bills. He's going to take care of me, so i got to do all this stuff. God's little circus act. This is what the Jews were doing with the law. we got to do the law. we got to do the law. we got to do the law. We have Abraham as our father. Jesus is like, you're in bondage. Perform, 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 perform. You don't know the Father. You can't even hear Him. Here I am. I'm fulfilling all the things that you believe in for thousands of years. I'm fulfilling and you can't see. You can't hear. Because you're so caught up in your performance. Listen, God is doing something in your midst right now. Don't be so caught up in your performance. Open your eyes. Open your ears and listen. Now, some of you need to get to work. Some of you need to just sit down and just let the Father love on you. Listen, we should work in the kingdom. I'm not, you were created for good works. You were saved, saved by grace through faith. Come on, it's a gift of God. Created to do good works. You were created to do good works. Phenomenal works, but with a good spirit, with a good heart, not a performer. Not a slave. I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. Man, I've seen that lived out so much. You know what that's called? Let me tell you what that's called. That's called religion. That's what religion is. And then James says it this way. He says, your religion's in vain. 
He didn't rebuke them for what they were doing. He just said it was invalid because they were doing it from a wrong heart. Listen, if your belief doesn't drive what you do, then what you do doesn't really make that much of a difference. It'll be, if, you, if you will put your belief first, and our culture's bought into this a lot, where you're good people by what you do, not by what you believe, that's wrong. You're right by what you believe, and then you will do because based upon, the reason why people do bad things is because they have bad beliefs. It all starts in your belief system. Your, your beliefs are proved by the way that you live, but not just the way, not just the things that you do, but the way that you do them. Because you can go out and do all the things and slap God on it. We've seen it. We saw it a couple weeks ago. You know, repent. You're all going to hell. Right? We've all seen it done wrong. Why? Because it's bondage, not freedom. Because they're acting like slaves, not sons. God wants to free you from all that. You're not a little performer in his show. Listen, if we're not obeying, if we're obeying Jesus out of a burden, then we're operating as a slave, not a son, a hireling, not an heir, and a laborer, not a lover. Let me say that again. If we're obeying Jesus out of burden, we are operating as a slave, not a son, a hireling, not an heir, and a laborer, not a lover. Three breakers. You ready? Let's break that stuff off. We talked about three bondages. Let's get three breakers. <laughs> Let's even those score. Okay. Number one, encountering, knowing, and following Jesus. This is exactly how Jesus starts off our passage from John, chapter 8. You are really my disciples. If if you are really my disciples, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is he talking about? He's talking about, well, you've encountered me. Here we are. Now you're knowing me. You're listening to my teaching, and now you're following me. If you're really my disciples, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You need freedom from addiction? I'm not, I'm not bashing on programs. Thank God for programs. But you want, you want freedom, not just to learn tricks to help you deal with your inadequacy? Meet Jesus. Follow Jesus. You want freedom from lust and pornography? Meet Jesus. Follow Jesus. That's where freedom's found. I'm not talking about the discipline and the structure that you might need to develop so you don't fall back into it again, but I'm talking about you want freedom. Because God, listen, God won't just take away, God just won't just deal with the, the effects of your sin and bring you into forgiveness. He'll actually put a distaste in you for it. That's freedom. I'm not talking about you can discipline your way around it, accountability your way around it. All that stuff's great. You need those structures. But if that stuff's not there and you've sinned again, you're still in bondage. I'm talking about real freedom. Somebody's going to get free today. Number two, trusting that Abba is good, perfect, and loving. Listen, Abba is not a tyrant taskmaster, nor is he a slave trader. One of the things, we hit on this week one, one of the things that was forbidden for a slave or an outsider of the house to call the father of the house was Abba. This is only a name that sons and daughters get to call him by. We can call him Abba. It's like daddy. So the, 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 the slaves, the servants could stand outside. They could have a relationship with them and call him father, father, but they couldn't call him Abba. They didn't have that intimacy. They didn't have that intimate, tender name. 
that comes from the lips of babies. It was forbidden for slaves to call them that. Listen, gang, trust. Not just that he's good, not just knowing he's good, but trusting in his goodness. Dependence is the goal in the kingdom of God. Dependence is the goal, not independence. I know the world's telling you, you just need to be independent, get your own job, work for yourself. Dude, dependence. In the kingdom, dependence is the goal, not independence. Dependence is the goal, and dependence is the way of freedom. We talk about a childlike faith. That's something that we grow into, not something we grow out of. Are you, are you with me? So we start with childlike faith when we approach him, and then we continue to grow in childlike faith. It's like we grow lower. It's like we're born into the kingdom as a toddler, and we, and we grow to be an infant. Complete and total dependence. That's where he wants you. That's where most freedom is found. I would say that that's where all freedom is found. Remember Jesus says this in Mark chapter 10. Hold with me. The kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these little children. Now, many people say, well, the kingdom the kids. I get it. That's great. That's, that's great for Sunday school. That's awesome. But listen, Jesus is talking about the dependence that children have. Listen, verse 15, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. You got to be like a kid. Total dependence. I, I completely 100% need you, God. You know, my children have very little concern. They don't, they don't go, oh, man. Dad's design business isn't doing very good this month. I better go turn the light off. They don't think about any of that stuff. Well, I don't want to leave the water on too long or the bill might go up. They don't think about any of that. They don't think about any of that. Listen, 1 John 4.18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. If you will understand and trust the perfect love of God, it will get rid of all the fear in your life, all the insecurity, all the worry, all the anxiety. If you trust, not just know it, but trust it. Number three, and I'm closing here, simple, joyful obedience. Simple, joyful obedience. Remember what Jesus said, if you follow me, if you follow me, then you'll know the truth. Follow me. Y'all Okay. See, the, the, the Jews were obedient out of fear, and they were manipulating people with the fear, and then they were saying, we're children of Abraham. Jesus is like, you're not children of Abraham, you're children of the devil. So Jesus said, remember what he said? He said, but you don't do what Abraham did. This is what Abraham did. Hebrews eleven eight, last verse. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed. By faith, by a place of trust. That Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Think of somewhere north, Oklahoma City, whatever. Don't know why you go there, but you could. God God doesn't always say, go to Oklahoma City. He says, go north. I'll show you when you get there where you're supposed to be. So, beloved, listen, be okay. We're talking about simple obedience. Be okay to simply obey. Stop worrying about outcomes. Come on. Stop being frustrated with fruit. You're going to bear fruit if you remain. If you trust, you're going to bear fruit. Stop worrying about all that and be okay to simply obey. Just be okay with it. Well, it's not working. I've been doing it for like a week. Be okay to simply obey. 
We're not focused on outcome. We're just focused on his spirit, speaking to our spirit, saying, you're a child, be okay to just simply obey. It's kind of like this. Whenever I tell my kids, they go, I go, you need to do this. And they go, well, why? And I say, because I said so. And I know some people think, well, that's not a good reason. When God is your daddy, it's good enough because he knows everything. So I don't have to question what he's telling me to do. I'm just okay with simply obeying, knowing that he's good, knowing that he's wise, knowing that he's Abba, knowing that he's perfectly good, and I'm just okay to simply obey because he's not going to lead me astray. Oh. What? Are you (laughs) What? All right. We better pray. All right. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness, Lord.